Hi, I'm Denise Bailey. And I'm Dr. Monica Parker. And you're listening to My Parents Are Now My Kids, a medical doctor's view and daughter's journey through memory loss and other dementias. As a doctor, I'll help you navigate through the often confusing, confounding, and frequently frustrating technical aspects of dementia. And as a daughter, I'll share with you some things I've experienced caring for and loving my parents who both struggled with these disorders. We want you to have hope and to see that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And we'll tell you that sometimes that light is coming straight at you and you just have to get out of the way. Let's get started. Hi, Dr. Monica. Hi, Denise. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm a little tired, but Happy to be here, above ground. Absolutely. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Well, last time we talked, we talked about the emergency room, and I talked a lot about what I had been through with my mom over the last now couple of months with her strokes. So I felt like I did too much talking. So I'm going to let you talk. What do you think we should tell our listeners about today? Well. Because our talks are really supposed to be focused on Alzheimer's and behaviors and things that go along with it, I want to talk a little bit about treatments and what do we know from research? What kinds of things are we up to now and how can people benefit from this? Um, There isn't a lot that's new, but the thing that's important to remember is last year there was a drug that was approved called aducanumab. It falls into a class of drugs called monoclonal antibodies to be used in people. It's supposed to be a disease modifying therapy, something that works like chemotherapy to stop the disease process of Alzheimer's. I remember us doing a, a show on that. Right. Well, that class what's happened with that drug, the FDA approved it and they gave it kind of a conditional approval, which meant that you can get the drug, but there are strings attached to it. You can get the drug only if you've been received a PET scan, which is an experimental procedure. And if you allow yourself to be followed in, if you are followed in a research trial, to see how well that works for monitoring and everything else. it's like, well, so what's the big deal? Is the drug approved or is it not approved? It's approved, but it was not tested in enough people to demonstrate whether it was truly effective. Key problem with this drug was, for example, there were exactly six African-Americans who participated in the trial. So you really don't know whether this drug is really efficacious for use by African-American people. Can I ask you this? Why was it such a low number um, of diverse participation? Do you know? I can't give you all the answers to that, but I can tell you what I know about my own center. And part of that is because when they were recruiting people for these studies, they recruited people that were in clinical practices with neurologists in academic medical centers. So Not to talk a whole lot about health disparities, but if you're not seeing one of these neurologists that is doing these clinical trials, you're not likely to be invited to be in that trial. 
I see. So one of the things that is part of my full-time daytime job is to make people aware of what you need to do to keep yourself healthy with respect to brain function. But the other thing is to make you aware of research participation and how you can access certain kinds of trials. Now, I do a lot of education for research participation, but because the population that I'm focused on is not necessarily a part of, let's say, the healthcare institution I'm in, I'm looking at people, making people aware of clinical studies and research participation that is something that's accessible to you. Now, if you're somebody who has a dementing illness and you don't quite know what it is, you say, I want to be in a clinical trial. Before you can get in a clinical trial, you have to be diagnosed with something. They have to have something to work with to understand what is going on in your brain. Maybe it's something that's not Alzheimer's at all. Maybe it's a medical problem that needs to be assessed. So there's a lot more to getting to be a part of a clinical trial where they're testing a medication. There's lots of requirements. I'll call them eligibility criteria. So if you're going to be in the Alzheimer's drug trial, you have to have something that indicates that you are at risk for having Alzheimer's. And with most of these monoclonal antibodies, and aducanumab was just one, there are about 10 others that are in development now, and they're actively being studied. One of them is called lecanumab, that's by uh, the Lilly Company. Another one is called denonumab, um, which is by another company. So they're similar to aducanumab. They work diff- They worked similarly, but differently. But in order to be in those drug trials, you have to have evidence of being at risk for Alzheimer's. And most of those t- trials will get to get, we'll get that diagnosis of Alzheimer's risk by either giving you a PET scan, which is the only FDA approved study that diagnoses Alzheimer's, or you'll get subjected to a lumbar puncture and we'll do an analysis and that will show us that you have the protein precursors that indicate Alzheimer's, that you're at risk for Alzheimer's, okay? So when you're looking at a clinical drug trial for Alzheimer's, and I say Alzheimer's, or really a clinical drug trial for any other disease process, they're not looking for healthy people for that. They're looking for people who actually have the disease process somewhere. They're in some stage. And you only know that if you've been evaluated or you are subjected to um, diagnostic studies that give you that diagnosis. So when it comes to Alzheimer's, there it's important for people to know that there are lots of drugs that are in development for treatment of Alzheimer's. But in order for us to test whether or not those drugs are effective, we have to know that you are at risk for having Alzheimer's. And now how would somebody know you're at risk for Alzheimer's? I talked about one way, the PET scan which is the only FDA approved diagnostic tool for diagnosing Alzheimer's, but that too is a research tool, okay? Some of the criteria for being in a research study is like, okay, if you wanna be in this clinical drug trial, we're testing people who don't have clinical signs of Alzheimer's, you have to be willing to subject to 
be subjected to a PET scan and you say yes, then you meet the criteria. There are other studies where they'll do additional testing, like maybe they will do the lumbar puncture, they will do the cerebrospinal fluid analysis, and they'll give you an idea of whether you're or not you're at risk. And then it's like, okay, according to her cerebral spinal fluid, she meets criteria to be in this interventional trial. And then they'll get you in the drug trial and they'll monitor you with those, again, experimental tools, whether it's a PET scan or um, now we're looking at blood biomarkers for Alzheimer's, you know, blood biomarkers or diagnostic tools are being developed or have been developed and they are efficacious, but they're comparing them now to the FDA approved PET scanner. Now, if we can get a blood test for Alzheimer's that's inexpensive, like a simple blood test, that's going to be save a whole lot of time and trouble for the diagnosis of Alzheimer's. And there is a blood biomarker that's available called Precivity, but it's not available everywhere. And can I say this? I'm for me who's squeamish about everything, uh, I think that blood biomarker would be something I would step up to the plate for before a PET scan or a lumbar puncture. And But you can find out the same information that you need from either or. Right. So right now, in terms of research and diagnostic things, they are testing these blood biomarker tests against the gold standard, which would be the PET scan, the amyloid PET scan, and or the cerebrospinal fluid analysis. So they're doing head-to-head studies comparing the PET scan and cerebrospinal fluid or the blood biomarkers to those two tests. And it's looking like the blood biomarker tests are just as diagnostic and just as accurate. They're not widely, they're not marketed, widely marketed yet, and they're not available everywhere, but they're coming. So in terms of where we are with research in Alzheimer's, we have a blood biomarker test that is supposed to be diagnostic for Alzheimer's. It's called Precivity, P-R-E-C-I-V-T-Y. And it was developed at Washington University in St. Louis. So keep your eyes and ears open to the next bit of medical marketing and you're going to learn something more about this blood biomarker test. On the same note, for treatment of Alzheimer's, if you meet criteria and have a diagnosis of Alzheimer's, there are a number of other drugs, interventional drugs or disease-modifying therapies, monoclonal antibodies that will soon be coming to market for treatment of Alzheimer's. There are several drug manufacturers that are developing these drugs. You know about aducanumab because that's Biogen, but the Lilly drug company has another um, monoclonal antibody that they're developing. They're actually working on two monoclonal antibodies. Azai, E-I-S-A-I, is another drug company that's working on a monoclonal antibody. So what is the timetable on these monoclonal antibodies? Don't know. Because aducanumab had such difficulty coming to market, those other drugs are going to be subjected to the same kind of scrutiny and likely be approved, have a conditional approval similar to what they're making you do with aducanumab. They're going to subject 
people to a clinical trial before or while they're on it to get more data to show whether or not these drugs actually work. So I don't have a timeline. I don't know that there's a timeline for any of them, but know that they are in development. That's really hopeful. Makes me hopeful. Yeah, yeah. And if we've learned anything in the last two years, research is not an exact science. It is not. Trial and error. It certainly is. And as, you know, relating this to COVID, we know that the public really wants research and study because they will be very skeptical about any and everything. So the more it's put through the paces and researched and studied, and uh, that's fine with me. I mean, I know we want something yesterday, but we want it to work. We want it to work, and in order to make sure that it works, more of us, more people of color, more people who are um, have different kinds of um, disease processes in play, need to participate in research. You know, more women, more women of color need to participate in clinical research. On one hand, you could say, oh, well, there are more women in research than men, but globally, it's more men that participate in research than women. And that's why it's important to have a good gender balance because hormones are different in men and women and, you know, our biological makeups are different. So there, you know, we know that Alzheimer's is more common in women as opposed to men. But again, for anything to work well, we need people of all sizes, shapes, colors to participate. And maybe you're eligible for this one. Maybe you're not. Find one is my thing. Find something so that you're included. It's almost like voting. If you never vote, you never have a chance of winning. If you never buy a lottery ticket, you'll never win the lottery. Absolutely. So true. Well, thank you, Dr. Monica. That is um, good to know. And I'm so glad you were able to give our listeners um, a little bit of an update because I was wondering, it's been nearly a year and I butcher the name too, Aducanumab. That's right. Wow. <laughs> I really am a doctor. No, <laughs> don't delude yourself. <laughs> I humor you. <laughs> you do. And I appreciate it so much. It just makes me so happy. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that was some good information. And I hope our listeners appreciate those tidbits and that update. And we see that there's something hopeful in the pipeline. We don't know exactly when, but it's still there and it's coming. Yes. Next time, Denise. Please follow us on Twitter, MPMK at MPMK Podcast, and on Facebook, My Parents Are Now My Kids, and on Instagram, My Parents Are Now My Kids. See you next time.